Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is at least a little bit better than the movie Solo. Today on the show, we are talking about my journey of using the Enneagram and chakras to prompt aspects of my personal development. And this is something that I've been doing over the past year and a half, but really the Enneagram and chakras element to identify the specific need the specific thing that I need to work on and how that balances against another part of my function stack is it's a fairly recent uh, thing. And it's just something that has led to some revelations, even when talking on this episode about my relationship with like burning bridges in my past and uh, all sorts of people in my life um, coming and going and the ease of which I've learned to let go of that as I navigated life and I didn't take time to nurture relationships or to um, consider long-term sustainability or my own personal safety. There's just a lot there to talk about. So I break all of that down on this episode and give you um, a, a sort of a peek at how I use that to prompt that growth in myself. So it's a long, heavy episode. It's about 40 minutes, but uh, I think it's a really, really good one. And um, some way for hopefully something in this will resonate with you. And uh, I also introduce the Cosmic Calibration for INTPs program that I'm putting out there. So without further ado, let's hit the button and do the thing so you can join me for dopamine. Let's go. Drums, Hello friends, C-Note here, hope you guys are doing well. My name is Christian Rivera. For those of you who don't know me, I realize I don't introduce myself on this podcast over and over again, (laughs) but my friends call me C-Note for those of you who are new to the show, and they gave me that name because I'm a multimedia designer and creative consultant, and I also do personal development. Um, I'm trying to figure out uh, a better way to address the personal development side of me because it's not really personal development so much as it's feels like a mental calibration. And um, because of that, I've been actually working on a course called Cosmic Calibration, which you can pre-order at bit.ly slash ccintp, all capital letters. And um, it is case sensitive. So please do that. Or you can go to dopamine.teachable.com and check that out. So I'm doing this course called Cosmic Calibration, which kind of fits uh, the vibe of what it is that I want to do in the big picture. And part of that calibration is because for me, it's been about like calibrating myself to my understanding of, of spirituality, of philosophy, of personally growing as a human being, understanding my role as a person and understanding the superpower that I bring to the world. And it's not necessarily about achievement so much uh, or about like prosperity It's about eventually getting there, but I feel like there needs to be a calibration point that a lot of us need to experience 
in order to get ourselves to that place. And sometimes <clears throat> it's a part of the mental health story. It's a, part of, it's a part of the understanding that mental health does not always mean mental illness and that we are all typically, even the neurotypical people in, in life, are dealing with challenges all the time. We're dealing with um, self-esteem issues. We're dealing with all sorts of problems with maybe money mindset stuff or maybe um, emotional dysregulation in relation to our relationships. Um, maybe we can't quite get a job because we are kind of, you know, stuck in like a my way or the highway kind of mentality or something like that, right? So it's sort of like a, it's another way of, of talking about mindset um, without using that buzzword. <laughs> um but it's also in relation to, again, the bigger mental health discussion, because I think calibration is for anyone. Well, yeah, it's for anyone. It's it's anyone who is, if you're dealing with mental illness, you still have to do this kind of work. And, you know, someone like me can kind of help people identify whether or not they need to go see a therapist, or that they need to work with a coach, or they need to work with me, or they need to just listen to this series of podcasts, or they need to just go buy a course, or they need to go talk with their friend at a coffee shop, or they need to have someone in their life that is a safe space for them. You know, there are a multitude of things that you can do to figure that out. And typically that starts with just talking with someone. So like I mentioned, um, the cosmic calibration course is specifically for INTPs, but, um, you know, you can get a lot out of it. Basically, it's me kind of sharing my story in the way that I share my story here. Um, and I want to share another aspect of my story on this episode about diving into the Enneagram for the first time. And this is going to be about my using Enneagram and chakras to prompt me as to where I am now. Now, like, don't get turned off by the fact that like, it's Enneagram or it's chakras or any kind of woo woo spiritual things. This is about generally using something to prompt yourself to figure out where you are. Because I think some of us have a difficult time identifying our emotional state, especially when we have nodes in our system that we've developed over a course of time that maybe we've blocked things out from our childhood. Maybe we've, we haven't identified a specific moment that has led us down a particular path that's made us feel terrible. And we don't, we, it, we're so far removed from it that we can't identify what the problem is. And sometimes diving into something like the Enneagram or, um, or chakras, for example, or you can even, some people use astrology, some people use tarot as a way to prompt yourself emotionally. And I also have an episode with my friend Colleen that we did together about using tarot cards and stuff like that as like emotional prompting. It's a pretty good episode. I would I would search back down into that. I think that was early last year, early 2018, something like that. Probably about a year ago, yeah. So <clears throat> this is about using Enneagram and Chakra specifically because it just kind of ties into my story. Because I was going through most of 2018 kind of on my own. I was really just, I was in a bit of a... I don't want to call it a loop. It wasn't really a loop, but I was working on reestablishing my foundation and reestablishing my sense of self. And that has involved, involved a lot of heavy ego transforming work. Um, you know, and, and I've had to do a ton of research. I've had to ask myself a lot of really difficult questions. I've had to have really long conversations with Molly about 
what has been going on in my life and why have I gotten to this point to where, you know, I'm still dealing with all of these struggles despite being the happiest I've ever been with her, right? So, you know, it's kind of like when you're doing research or investigating something and you start eliminating possibilities, it's like, or, or you add things to your life that add to your happiness, but there's still pieces missing. That's kind of where, what it was for me. Like I've had moments in my life where I've had bits of money and that's been okay. And then I've had, um, really just recently, you know, some of the best, uh, romantic love that I've ever experienced in my life. So that's been, uh, a completely different, um, ballpark for me. And I've been emotionally the happiest I've ever been, but I've been struggling financially and I've been struggling with uh, a sense of my path because I've been kind of redefining that as well. Again, doing this like cosmic calibration stuff is kind of like a an attempt at a new direction. I've been wanting to do more of this mental health, personal development kind of work, but I'm trying to do it in a way that is like long-term and sustainable and something that just takes time to develop as opposed to just trying to do something quick and done, you know, and quick and over with. So, you know, the last year has been really the last year and a half really has been this kind of work. And at some point, you know, part of that work has been exploring all sorts of books. I was exploring the Myers-Briggs. I was exploring myself as an INTP. I was exploring my mental health and exploring the connection points and the disconnection points between all of those things. At some point at the end of last year, I went through quite a few other challenges where I was, I found myself shrinking further and further away from humanity. Like I found myself shrinking away from um, distancing myself from people and making my work more inaccessible, making my um, ability to connect with people more difficult. I wasn't leaving the house much. Um, part of it is like not having access to my car all the time. Um, and you know, Molly and I only have one car and that's a challenge, but, um, you know, not really getting into a flow state there has been uh, a bit of a challenge that we're trying to work through. But at the end of last year, I was also screwed over by a couple of people, uh, lost a few thousand dollars, um, of work and of time that it's really hard to reclaim time. That was two months of work dedicated to something, assuming that someone was going to pay me for the work. And that was my fault. I accept the responsibility of not asking for the money up front. Um, but it still happened and it kind of put me further into a distrust space. It put me further away from wanting to do more of that kind of work, put me further away from feeling like I can trust anyone. Um, in that space. So, you know, I had to make a big change and I started doing Uber and Lyft because I had to. Um, but through that, I started to connect with people a little bit better and, um, started to get myself out there in the world. Um, the last week or so I've been feeling not great because I've had to kind of spend more time inside again. And I feel like I'm in this space that's really uncomfortable Whereas like the introverted thinking side of my space where I'm using my logic and really doing that is, is very satisfying, but having to deal with my introverted thinking also means I have to deal with my introverted sensing, which is my tertiary function, which is really challenging to deal with. It means sometimes I have to reconcile with my past. Sometimes that means I have to do, um, you know, I, I have time to like kind of feel out my body. I don't mean that in a gross physical way, but I mean like 
Um, I mean, like, you know, I'm sitting here all day and it's not good for my body. And, um, you know, it's really hard for me to work out at home. Like I don't enjoy that. So, you know, I'm trying to find the internal discipline to just to, to get back into working out at home, which I need to do and eating healthier and all of that stuff. Like, I feel like I was starting to get on a roll and that wasn't really working out. Uh, or now it's like kind of setting me back a little bit because I've had to be at home because of like child support stuff. Like there was some paperwork that didn't go through and therefore my license was suspended and I'm waiting for more paperwork. So I'm kind of stuck at home, taking advantage of it and doing a lot of hard work, but it's kind of putting me in a place where like, I wish I could be outside. I wish I could do more. Like I go for walks and stuff, but it's like, I wish I could be more autonomous and it's really frustrating. So part of that growth of understanding that like I was pulling away from society was in exploring the Enneagram and exploring the Enneagram was really came through the, um, well, I started to explore the Enneagram because I felt like I was running out of things to to, to look for. I was running out of, I, I, I kind of understood my uh, Myers-Briggs aspects of me quite a bit, and I'm still learning all the time, but I think I came to an impasse and I needed some new information. So I started looking into the Enneagram and I had heard that uh, Beatrice Chestnut, who is a fantastic Enneagram expert, put out a book called The Complete Enneagram. And that book really describes every Enneagram type and their relation to their own personal traumas and how they relate to society and how they work with people. Um, It was just so thorough that I was incredibly grateful for it. And uh, they also went through, she also went through subtypes. And, you know, I, what really helped me was reading through the entire book. I read every type and listened to my emotional state as I was reading through it. Because I started going through it really quickly. I was actually starting reading it um, when I was in a manic state. So I read through most of the book, probably. I probably read through about half the book in about a day, a day and a half. And it's a big book. And um, I got to about Enneagram 5. And because it was, I think it was in reverse order. Yeah, it was in reverse order. So I read through 8. I felt like I had some emotional responses there and emotional responses to seven, but then I got to five and things just slowed down. <laughs> you know, I was, it was really heavy to read. Um, especially as I started to get through four, three and two, those are a little bit more emotional and those are really hard, really hard to read. But five in particular, learning about my type through five, I was just having a lot of emotional revelations and that was a challenge for me to read through. But I needed to because it's something I needed to hear. I needed to hear that essentially I was building a castle around myself, but I had no armor. I had no personal armor. And when I really think about it, when I was younger, I I had no development of my introverted sensing. I had no sense of security or safety in my life. I had no protection. I had I couldn't trust my parents. I couldn't trust a religion. I couldn't trust uh I could barely trust friends because I just know inherently that people are in it for themselves and, you know, including myself. So there's just like a cynicism around friendship as well that created a challenge. I had, I was kind of going from relationship to relationship. And I I mean that in like an every two years kind of thing, not in like a, it was, it was, um, long love relationships, not short bursts, but, 
I was still having trouble with relationships because I was not, um, I was either not trusting or being untrustworthy and, you know, having all sorts of issues with a personal sense of security. It really wasn't until I moved to San Diego that I started to experience that, um, you know, developing of a sense of security. Um, but even before that, to backtrack real quick, when I was in my early 20s and going out and partying and going and doing all these things, it was kind of like the equivalent of like, I spent so much time building a castle around myself that when I finally left my personal castle, which means exploring my extroverted intuition, like going out drinking and like letting go, that it was like, it was like leaving the castle in the, in, into the midst of an army with no armor on. I was just rushing into battle with no personal protection, you know, and, you know, that was like, that could literally translate to having to, you know, being a bit promiscuous and uh, drinking too much and risking my personal safety and not having a care for my personal safety, Um, you know, going into battle with like family and friends all the time and alienating myself. Like that was like an extreme version of, of my extroverted intuition in a negative way, which was also the result of my mania. And I think my mania was occurring because I was also, I just had no development in my introverted sensing. I had no development of my personal sense of security. I didn't have a safe space, which is why the past year and a half has been, have been so amazing for me because now I have a personal space with Molly to be able to express what I need to express and work through things that I need to work through. And I'm slowly starting to learn how to trust people. I'm trusting um, some people I really care about in professional spaces. And, um, you know, that, that also has been a challenge with like keeping professional ties in the past as well. I basically, every time I would go through an aspect of my life, I was burning the bridge behind me so that, you know, nobody could catch up, that nobody could attack me, right? I was, instead of building a a castle, I was also burning a bridge behind me. So I would storm the castle, I would leave my castle, race across the land to another castle, basically, and torch everything behind me so no one could catch up. Like, you know, that's, I feel like that's the best metaphor that uh, has been really coming to me lately in relation to my life story. So, you know, when I moved to San Diego, it was an attempt. I think it was in an attempt that I naturally know, knew that I needed to slow down, that if I was going to survive, I needed to approach the world in a way that, um, that wasn't so reckless, that I needed to learn how to trust and how to love and how to find my own personal sense of security in a way that I can, you know, really let a lot of people in and really let people in and not, um, not just be so protective of my own ego. So, you know, the last year and a half has been, um, identifying that and figuring out how to expand my world based on that understanding. So the Enneagram has really helped me sort of break that down a little bit in a way that, um, that let me know that that's what I needed to work on. Okay. Huh. Sorry, I keep like breathing into the microphone. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, this pressure changed and uh, 
it, it got a little colder the past two days and it's always hard to breathe. Uh, I definitely need to get um, a humidifier to balance all this crap out. Um, <laughs> so the other half of this is was exploring chakras, which is not something I ever thought I would explore. But there was an episode of Personality Hacker where they spoke about chakras and I'm not necessarily a person that believes in sort of uh, the vague notion of energies and not having any kind of um, reality tied to an explanation of that stuff. Um, I'm not saying that there's like any discredit to it, but I, it's just, it's not something that resonates with me. Like there's too much of a logic leap for me to have to make to think that way about it. But I started to think about the episode I did with Colleen about using tarot as prompting and while listening to that episode and being open to it, I was again also in a place where I was like, okay, I need more things because Enneagram was also great, but I just needed, I needed more, I needed another comparison point. So I looked at the chakras and <clears throat> the chakras are sort of a way to identify, um, typically it's something in relation to your body body it's like a body mind connection situation and something in relation to spirituality as well um, but there's also descriptions of each chakra and typically if there's a disruption you know a lot of people use <clears throat> chakras as meditation tools so chakras are a way for you to say if you're having difficulties with your your throat chakra say you're a person that is maybe too loud and you don't have control over your your vocal tenacity or you're having uh, discomfort with um, speaking your mind and um, maybe having a discomfort with uh, speaking loudly you know something like that <clears throat> your throat chakra could be something to focus on while you're meditating and that means literally trying to focus your thoughts and your energy on your throat um, and I think it's the color purple for the throat chakra I'm not sure don't take me to literally with that, but it's either blue or purple. <clears throat> and so sometimes thinking of the color can kind of help whilst, whilst meditating as well. And, um, I felt like for me, uh, I think the color was important to think about, but, um, my issue while, so I, I kind of went through all the descriptions. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole where I found some people who were describing, I would listen to people who were describing it as if there was, you know, that there were connection points between mind and body, not necessarily people who were talking about energies and, and sort of vague woo woo stuff. But I was, I was trying to listen for stuff in relation to life, right. And trying to listen to where I could, you know, listen to, again, the same way that I would read the Enneagram book and kind of listen to what my emotions are telling me when I'm reading something. I would listen to these different explanations of the chakras and listen for what made sense to me as a trigger point. So I would almost listen for a reaction. I would listen for a trigger within me um, based on the descriptions of chakras. And the two chakras that really stuck out to me, again, I'm not going to describe all the chakras, but the two that stuck out to me were the root chakra and the solar plexus chakra, which are... Um, red, I think it's, yeah, red and uh, yellow respectively. So red for the root chakra, yellow for the solar plexus chakra. The root chakra is typically about grounding and having a sense of uh, security. As you can see, the 
the already there's a parallel there and um <clears throat> getting in touch with your body sometimes it means like eating good food because your your root chakra is closer physically to like your um your butt basically like the lower part of your body the lower part of your back and sometimes that could mean like in relation to like your your actual like digestive system right so there's like connection points there to like just think about um when someone's talking about it just to think about like okay maybe there's something to consider there with like the types of food you're eating maybe there's something to consider there if you want to try meditation and listening to types of music that are in tune with the root chakra there are also vibrational audio frequencies that relate to the different chakras, which I found interesting because I do believe in the power of audio and a soothing quality. Like you can definitely elicit emotional responses from people while using different audio frequencies. So um, if I can remember correctly, I think the root chakra has a little bit more of a, a, a deeper base to it. So it's like really interesting to think about that as well. Um, and, and like the energy that music can bring. So I believe in the energy that music can bring. So I definitely follow that. So while I didn't really try to meditate, I think I gave it a shot, but I wasn't really feeling the whole, like actually sitting quietly and meditating thing. I would, I would read a book and listen to red chakra meditative music or root chakra meditative music and try that out. Especially if I was feeling, um, challenges, in terms of exploring my past, which is something, again, the root chakra has something in, in common with. And and I was able to essentially relate to the root chakra to my introverted sensing. And that just felt like confirmation for me that that is something that is actually going on with my life and something I needed to further explore. Sorry, I need to take a drink of water. So that was the moment, even after reading the Enneagram and identifying with that, that when I read about the root chakra and I was like, okay, this stuff resonates with me too. And everything has, it's, it's this pattern, right? It's this pattern of a sense of security of feeling comfortable in my own body and eating better, taking care of myself and having sort of a long-term foundation. All of this stuff is like, this is the thing <laughs> in some shape or form. So I'm kind of in this place personally right now where I'm trying to still figure out what that exactly looks like. You know, some of that is around money. Some of that, some of that is around eating better. Some of that is about the discipline about eating better. Some of that is finding healthier habits and not just passively watching TV or watching YouTube, but in putting my energy into doing good hard work and maybe uh, improving my relationship with time and spending more time doing the work that matters, right? So it's again, because introverted sensing is my tertiary function, it's not something that I need to over-identify with, but to be able to almost tune it as a way to balance my extroverted intuition. And another thing that stuck out to me because of the solar plexus chakra, the solar plexus chakra is kind of about personal power. It's about, it's kind of in your, your abdomen, your solar plexus, and it is about taking up space and about being bold and putting yourself out there. Right. And it's, while I've never had issues with that in the past, it's my issue is with that. And what I mean by that is like, I've never had issues with being bold 
because I'm, you know, from Philly, like I, I have an aggressive <laughs> demeanor. Um, but you know, I was, I think my, my issue with it is in the over aggression, you know, into my past. And when I think about the way that I was in my past, I was over, uh, I was overdoing it. Right. Because I didn't have the balance of my introverted sensing to help me balance that out. So I wasn't really in a place where it was making sense for me to, you know, these things weren't working together, right? One was running the show and the other one was not present at all. So the introverted sensing being in relation to my Enneagram five, and then being in relation to the root chakra really started to stick out to me as like, okay, this is something I need to work on. But then simultaneously, Enneagram five relates to Enneagram seven as the stress growth path, which is also something that extroverted intuition identifies with. And then the child heart path, which is like basically identifying where your traumas are, is identifying that as a child, I essentially, and I agree with that assessment that I I had to tie it to my own story, but I agree with the assessment that in order for someone to become an Enneagram five, they essentially went through some sort of trauma as a child that they weren't able to speak up for themselves or they weren't taken seriously or they weren't able to be direct with what they wanted. And I can identify with that a thousand percent. So the only way that I could be direct with people was by letting go of my trust of them. And that was basically throwing my introverted sensing out the window, (laughs) you know? So that, that was a way for me to, to get my directness back. And, um, you know, so in order to reclaim my introverted sensing, I needed to go back to my past and understand that that's what I did. Like I didn't understand at the time that that's what I did, but now I get it. Now I understand that most of my life has had these challenges because I've thrown trust and security out the window. I've just always taken risks and I've always been very comfortable taking risks. And a lot of the time taking risks is risks have worked out in my favor. Um, in terms of uh, moving to San Diego and I had a good job and all that stuff, but long-term sustainability has been the sacrifice as a result of that. So now I'm in a place where I'm the happiest I've ever been romantically and I want to establish a sense of security so that I can, you know, nurture this relationship and nurture this life and try to build sort of a new version of myself that takes my sense of security and introverted sensing into account, right? So that means a balance of, again, that sense of security, but that sense of taking risks and meeting new people and putting myself in new situations and trying new stuff and and putting out new programs and um, trying to make money in, you know, within the context of what I'm, what I'm doing here, right? Because I think it would be another easy decision for me to just be like, well, it would definitely be easier for me to get a job in like Philly or, you know, move back to LA or something, but that would make things more complicated here. So, you know, I, I just don't want to do that. So I'm trying to work with what I've got. And, um, that in itself is, is the challenge. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not just be flighty, you know, I'm trying to use my intuition within this context, as opposed to using my intuition to escape this context. I hope that makes sense. Because that's something that I would just do. If something ever went wrong, I would just escape. I would escape into drinking or promiscuity or emotional, uh, emotional or physical, um, 
infidelity, which I had an episode on that as well. And really just kind of torch everything. I was just, you know, I've got so many situations in my life that I thought were really great moments in my past, but I don't have access to them anymore. The people that I worked with, for example, at um, the film marketing job that I used to work with and the, uh, the, the 3D conversion company, like I knew people there, but I did not make lasting friendships there. Like I've got people that follow me on Facebook and maybe some people that listen to this podcast. I don't even know, honestly, but I don't have a connection with those people. Uh, I just don't, you know, I torch that. I left like literally when I got fired from my, the film marketing job, I talked to a few people that were sort of in the same room as me that were in the same, uh, basically in the design department. And I wrapped up when I needed to wrap up, wrap up. And I packed up my stuff and I just left. I didn't say bye to anybody. And they even messaged me and called me afterwards. Some people, (laughs) they were just like, why didn't you just, why didn't you say bye, man? And I'm like, Cause I left on bad terms. I just wanted to torch everything, right? Instead of trying to figure out how I could take these relationships into the future and create any sense of security, I just felt better off just letting it all go and starting completely fresh, at least in that perspective, right? And that that's certainly creating a challenge now because I'm having to reestablish professional relationships, which I'm doing the best that I can to maintain longer term relationships in that sense. Um, but you know, I was, it was just so much easier for me to torch everything. That's just what I kept doing. I did that at every job. I would just torch and leave. And there were a few people again that I connected with and I have, I feel like if I would see them again, you know, we'd be cool, but like, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't know where they are. I have no idea. We have not connected since. Um, you know, I, I blasted through friendships as a kid, I would, I would, um, I had like a new best friend every year (laughs) and, uh, we'd spend a lot of time together and hang out and, um, you know, eventually something would happen where like one of our lives would change. And instead of trying to find a way to maintain the relationship, I would just be like, all right, well, life changes. And then you just move on and, you know, torch that bridge. Right. (laughs) I've got one of my best friends that I spent, uh, the last, year of high school and probably the the first two years of college hanging out with there's a really good friend of mine um he ended up going to into the military and he i think he got married and i think he has a kid i don't really know <laughs> um i kind of see stuff on instagram every once in a while but we literally hung out every single day and i have no idea what's going on in his life right so it's just um you know something where i uh yeah, I just, I just persistently did that. I've had friendships that we had. So there was one friend in particular. It was a really, another really, really good friend of mine, uh, around 18 years old. And, um, probably like right before the one I just talked about where he, he, he tried to sleep with my ex-girlfriend while we were, her and I were together and, or he tried to throw me under the bus in the process, which I think was, it was like a red flag for me. And instead of trying to work through it or talk to him about it, I just, I just torched it. I just completely ignored him. I just ghosted him. I was like, we're done. I'm not, I'm not playing that game. Right. 
So I just, I had no room. I had no room for any kind of nuance when it came to emotional drama or anything. I just torched everything. I just didn't want to deal with it. I was like, you know what? My perspective is like, there's always more people. (laughs) There's always more friends. And, uh, you know, it was always a, again, like as a sexual subtype for the Enneagram, um, it was always about me trying to find that idealistic connection with someone. I don't think it mattered if it was friendship or romantic, but it was always just a connection with someone that would spend time with me and hang out and be willing to talk to and be loyal to me and I'll be loyal to them. And, um, I think my idealism, you know, would continue to shift as I was going through life. And therefore if they didn't meet the criteria, I just torched the relationship, right. Whether that was romantic or, or friendship wise. Right. So I I went through that over and over again. And, um, you know, I think the difference now is that like my relationship is so good. And, some of the friendships I formed are becoming so good that it's like, I don't want to do that anymore, but that's, that requires slower, more lumbering, heavy, intentional, thoughtful, caring work. And that's hard. That's really hard. (laughs) That is incredibly difficult to do. And I feel like I'm in this place where it's just, it's exhausting. You know, I'm, I'm in this opportunity at the moment where I'm waiting for this child support paperwork to go through. So I can't really go anywhere. And part of me is just like, I just want to lay on the couch because everything is so hard. (laughs) It's so exhausting to try to maintain relationships and create podcasts and try to connect with people and, and uh, making sure that I'm nurturing relationships and even thinking about like, okay, who I have, who have I not talked to in a while that I need to check in with? Uh, that's hard because that's not something I do naturally well at all. So I'm, I'm working on that, but I think understanding the nuances of that dichotomy for me and doing that through prompting myself with the Enneagram and chakras has been this incredible revelation. Like I have, I have this information now. I'm still just learning what to do with it. (laughs) You know, I'm learning the, the tips and tricks that I need to, um, to employ, to actually make use of this information. And, um, you know, and it's, it's really hard. I feel like there are just, uh, mental paradoxes that I'm dealing with all the time and physical paradoxes, like dealing with the challenges of like child support and not having income coming in right now. Um, when I desperately need it because I can't afford groceries. And what does that even mean? <laughs> if you want to support, go to patreon.com slash dopamine. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I can't get to a place of security uh, by making myself too secure, if that makes sense. So I, I know I have to take more risks, but I can't take as many risks because I don't have a car. <laughs> So I'm trying to make, I'm trying to take risks with the programs that I create. I'm trying to come up with, again, this cosmic calibration as a way to hopefully connect with people and get some money and do coaching and try to make that a thing. Cause that would be incredible. Um, so again, if you want to check that out, bit.ly slash CCINTP, all capital letters, and you can check it out. I'll put the link in the description as well. Um, that'd be cool. So if you're an INTP and you want to learn more about my story surrounding this and, um, some of the tips that I'm learning as I'm navigating a lot of this stuff, 
that's what that cosmic calibration is all about. Cause like throughout this process, I've also been becoming more open to even, you know, listening to something around chakras. Like five years ago, I would have been like, no, <laughs> I'm not listening to that garbage, you know? So opening yourself up to a sense of spirituality, a sense of gratitude, and even being able to get to yourself to a place where you're even thinking about long-term sustainability is, it's a long road, man. <laughs> this, this life has been long and it's hard. And there's, I feel like there's more to come. There's so much more to come, of course. But uh, right now is hard. Right now is like, right now is the story that I tell. Right now is the story that I write in my book, you know, um, about all of this intentional growth. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's heavy, it's hard, but sometimes you just got to focus on the basics, right? And that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what I need to do based on everything I just told you. That's essentially what I need to do. I need to focus on the basics. I need to exercise. I need to eat some food. I need to find ways to make some money. I need to keep showing Molly love. I need to build sustainable, long-lasting, loving relationships. I need to trust. I need to fortify my armor so that I'm making sure that I'm setting boundaries that allow for me to trust. And, um, you know, just keep putting myself out there in the healthiest ways so that uh, good things can come my way. So, okay. So that was a lot. That was a lot of emotional heavy lifting this morning. So, yay. The rest of the day is going to be a breeze. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's it. Again, if you're interested in the Cosmic Calibration program, you can go to bit.ly slash ccintp, all capital letters. If you want to leave some financial support for dopamine, that would be amazing. I'm going to look at Patreon and see what I can do to give you guys some some uh, some extra insight. I'm definitely willing to ask answer questions there. I mean, if you're, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Um, if you have questions, I can answer them on the podcast. And um, I'm happy to offer some coaching as well. I'll put that as one of the tiers to uh, connect with me directly to uh, work through some of this stuff. So if you want to check out my other Myers-Briggs course, there's dopamine.teachable.com, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. And um, tell a friend if they can resonate with this podcast or just leave a rating and review, help you know spread the word and get it out there. Really appreciate it. If you're going to share a link, share the iTunes link because or the Pocket Casts link, that seems to be doing better. So I'm going to probably do that more often uh, as I'm promoting the show. And you can follow me at Let's Go See Note on all the social channels. So um, with all that being said, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the show. I would love more of your feedback. That would help me to feel like this show is still like oh, worth doing. So if you can give me some feedback at let's go see note on all the social channels or really anywhere that you can connect with me, um, particularly Patreon, that would be amazing. <laughs> Patreon.com slash dopamine. And, um, yep, that's it. So take care of yourselves and each other. Best of luck of best of luck to you and whatever you're working on right now. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. <laughs>